Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. Yeah, we're excited to uh, be wrapping up our Lion and Lamb series. And if you've been here throughout this four-week series, um, uh, you've, you've been here for a different kind of Christmas series. We didn't do uh, the, the typical. Uh, what we did is we looked at the, uh, the great narrative of Jesus from really before the creation to Genesis 3.15 and the promise and, and then the prophecies and then the fact that he came uh, as the lion of the tribe of Judah as well as the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And today we're looking at the relentless tenderness of God uh, that we get the picture of through Jesus Christ uh, born uh, in a manger. But uh, I, was, I was praying this morning and, and reading, and I just felt like I was supposed to share this with, with us um, this morning. Just a real challenge for us to, to always look at it in, in two lights. It, we sing away in a manger, and uh, just being honest with you, that's, I, I'm not a fan of that song. Uh, but I do love the worship version that was rewritten uh, for it. I'm just, I struggled singing about cows and babies. Um, but uh, I love the worship version because it gives the expanse of the greater narrative of who Jesus came to be. But when we look at a, at a manger scene like we have Ian in front of us over there or the cool in the courthouse or in your, ho- in your front yard, whatever it might be, my challenge is that not only do we see what God, what lengths God would go to to save us and set us free, but we'd also see in the manger there was a warrior born, um, that he came to, to love us and show us how to live, but, but he also came to do battle for us against the great enemy of mankind and the enemy of God who doesn't stand a chance against God but still tries. And so Jesus came here to live this perfect life in our place as the second Adam and take on all the assaults of the enemy while setting us free at Calvary and showing us that the battle is won by Jesus and all we do is accept the gift of salvation, the gift of the lordship of Jesus, the the gift of the, the Holy Spirit to comfort us and counsel us. And we're good that that we're still going to face our daily battles. We're going to face those temptations that are common to man. Uh, we're going to deal with the stuff of life that exists. But from a perspective, eternally and even abundant life on planet Earth, we're good. We've won because he won the day. Uh, we're, we're right and righteous with God, even though we're being made right and righteous along the way. And, and, and even though he stepped into a broken world, we're not broken we're, we're whole and being made whole at the same time. We're good with God because of what Jesus did at the cross, because of the gift given to us in Jesus and the offer of salvation, and ultimately because we accepted the gift. I mean, Christmas, all of us, different, different traditions, all different stuff you're doing tonight or tomorrow or whatever, and, 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 but most everyone is going to have some kind of a gift moment uh, if you're a parent, uh, you're probably watching people open gifts, uh, and you're patting your spouse on the back. Uh, but, but gifts are a big part of it. So this this present wrapped up for us, and and we give it to a kid, and we're just we know what it is, and they they're like, I hope this is what I think it is, and they open up and they get so excited. That gift offered to us by Jesus was eternal life gift wrapped, and all He says is, accept it and open it up, and it is yours. 
You accept a gift that's given. You don't earn a gift. It, beca- it stops being a gift if you have to earn it. So there's this gift of eternal life offered. We open it up, and then everything that is Jesus for us, everything that he's won at the cross, everything that God has planned is ours because we opened up a gift. I mean, that's an amazing thing to take in. So as we're uh, looking at uh, this relentless tenderness of God, I want to go back to uh, just a famous passage in, in the Word of God, this moment that we, we celebrate as Jesus' birth and the, and the best news ever, that the enemy would be crushed and, and his schemes against us, that fear, that, 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 that rejection issue, the, the accusations he brings, all of that would be, would be crushed and shut down by Jesus because he says very clearly to the, to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Today, I bring you good news with great joy. And then we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. Got it all in there. Savior, Messiah, Lord, has been born today. We celebrate that this season. But it's the truth that we live out of because the Savior the Messiah, the Lord of our lives, was born as a human so that all the things that we would have to make right on our own, which we couldn't, could be made right. And that's what he did. When Jesus was born, love came down and hope had a name. We got to see him. We got to understand. We got to see how to live. He got to, 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 to be able to fully tell us, I know what you're going through. I can relate with that issue and that issue and that struggle and that temptation. I get you, so ask me and I will strengthen you through this life. And so Jesus comes and he's the picture and the embodiment of God himself and he shows us the relentless tenderness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in human form. Of all the things that I love about Christmas, and I love a lot. I have to, I have to limit myself uh, on Christmas celebration because I get a little overkill. But, you know, I love the lights. I love the music. Uh, ask Pearl. Uh, I love the decorations. Again, ask Pearl. Anything that Sarah won't let me have at the house, I just bring to my office. And so it looks like a, like a bargain bin of Christmas in my office, but it's going up. Uh, I love the smiles and the, and the handshakes and the, and the conversations that seem to take place in a community during this season that's more vulnerable and open to that. Uh, we're not as guarded during this season. I love listening to Silent Night echo from the mouths of, of fully alive sons and daughters as we calmly and with this unique reverence take in the bigness of what that moment must have been like. We weren't there and the song doesn't do it justice, but... It tries, and it gets us close, and we can take ourselves there and go, what would this have been like? As calm and serene as that must have been, and then it exploded with an angel orchestra in the sky. That feeling of Christmas morning with the people you love, I love all that, but the thing that hits me the hardest that comes every December for me is that I once again am in awe that this wildest promise ever made actually came true. God would be born through a woman 
would live a sinless life, would crush the enemy with his heel, even though he got bit by that same enemy at the cross, and then he'd rise again to new life and make everything right for me, that God would become one of us so that he could save all of us by dying instead of us. That's an amazing reality to, to take in. He did away with, with every barrier, every sin, every, every debt, every willful wickedness and ignorant mistake he did away with. Brokenness that was brought on by choices, sickness, pain, and death, he made right. He fixed the brokenness. And it brings us to our big idea today that there are no limits to the wholeness that Jesus brings. In your life, in the life of your family, in the, in the work setting and relationship setting and health setting and finance setting and, and future uh, that you're trying to, to look forward to, there's no limit to the wholeness he brings for a Christ follower, for one who will just place their faith in Jesus. Anything that would try to keep us from his tender love was demolished by Jesus. He made a way where there was no way. And at the same time, God excitedly waits for and, and joyfully responds every moment when we say, initially, Jesus, would you come in and save my life? I need you eternally. And, and every moment as we follow Jesus and we, look, we say, Jesus, I need your help. I haven't been trusting you lately, but I, I need you. I want to trust you. Jesus, I can't figure this out. I, I, need, I, need your, I need your wisdom. Holy Spirit, I'm broken right now. I need your comfort. Every time that we look to God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and ask for whatever it is we need, God gets excited. He never crosses his arms and says, again? He never, ever looks at us and says, I was, I've been trying to get your attention for 12 years, good grief. Now I'm just going to not talk to you for a while, make you pay. Never, every time we call on the name of the Lord, we are saved, either eternally or in that moment. And they can be big moments or like small moments. Christmas is here. Jesus came. He's right there with us. You're on his heart and on his mind he didn't come to judge you, but to save you, John 3, 17. After we're told about the greatest gift ever given, we're told he did not come to judge the world, but to save the world through how he would live and die and rise again. Ephesians 2, Paul's writing, and he, he's telling us what it's like to be made alive because of this gift of Christmas. I'm just going to read some of it before we get to the main verse I want to talk, to, talk about. But he says, he says in here, once we were dead, but the Holy Spirit is, is so good that he's at work even in the hearts of those who disobey God. So the Holy Spirit's working on us before Jesus and then working in us after Jesus. He says that because of sin, we are subject to God's anger, but God is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our choices, our sins... He gave us life, saved by his grace. All we do is believe, and the gift of Jesus is ours. And then in verse 10, he tells us who we are. 
For we are, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. No mess or messiness turns Jesus away from you. Nothing turns him off as it relates to you. Nothing you do or think turns him off as far as relating to you and loving you. His desire is to live in your life and show you who you are in him. That's the gift of Jesus. Christmas really comes down to this. It's the story of God's relentless love for us and to us. So let him love you. Some of you, that's what you need to hear today. Let God love you in spite of your busyness or what you think about yourself or your, your, your choices made or the struggles you go through, or whatever you're dealing with, let him love you. If God was willing to, to wrap himself in rags and be born a helpless baby like all of us, then all the questions about God's love for you has to be off the table. If he was willing to go to those lengths and leave that place called heaven, which is perfect and holy, and there's never been an issue for him, and he came down here and he did all that he did for us, you have to say all of, his, all of the things I think about his love not for me are off the table. Now I can question his, his decisions. I can, uh, I can question his actions. Uh, you, can, you can wonder about the things he declares or asks of you, but we can never, ever question the spectacular affection he has for you because he's crazy for you. No one goes to those lengths to reach people who didn't want him <laughs> without there being just love driving it all. In Luke 1, Verses 32 and 33, it's this, this moment where the angel comes to, to Mary and, uh, and, and is basically telling her, he's prophesying what's going to happen. It says this in verse 32 of Luke 1, Jesus, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel. We're all grafted into Israel now. Forever his kingdom will never end. Christmas morning that we celebrate as Christmas morning, whatever day it actually happened, who knows? Well, some people think they know, but we don't really know, no. But that morning enacted the plan to bring victory, the lion, through sacrifice, the lamb. Our Christmas goal today is to realize that Jesus is the perfect picture of of strong and tender, and we all need both of those in our lives. One of the most fascinating attributes to me uh, of God has to be that he's all-powerful. You know, the, the big word of omnipotent, right? That, I mean, we can't, we can't even figure that one out. Like as much power as the most powerful person that we know personally is, Pales in comparison, we can think about somebody that's more powerful than most people on the planet pales in comparison. He's all powerful. That means nothing about him is not in charge of everything at every moment. And that's a big statement that's kind of lost on us. If you grew up in the church, it gets kind of lost on us. Yeah, God's all powerful. 
I mean, to say that, we should go stop and go, well, that's a big moment, you know? And then for those who maybe aren't believers or are not a part of the church, they might just think, oh, that's something that churchy people say. I don't really get it. But to me, what's so fascinating is that Jesus would use that power to serve and die. All-powerful. It took all-powerful to serve a broken people that shook their fists at him. It took all-powerful to die for sinners in their sin when they said, so what? Which is all of us, according to Romans 5.8. It's really challenging for powerful humans to, to be merciful and compassionate. Even if they're good people, it's hard for them to get down on the level of the people that need mercy and compassion. Yet Jesus, all-powerful, perfect compassion and mercy to the point of death. I think when we, when we can begin to understand that the God who possesses all power is the same God who is infinitely compassionate and gracious, then we can understand growing into it, what it means for him to be the lion and the lamb. Those titles seem to contradict each other, right? A lion and a lamb, whatever lambs do. But they're actually absolutely necessary for each one to play out, that he would perfectly embody both, especially as it relates to being relentlessly tender towards us. Everything Jesus ever did combined his confident purpose and his calm care. Entering the world humble, having barn animals welcome him. The, the first onlookers to his entrance were lowly shepherds who were working the graveyard shift. That takes strength right there. To be the one who created everything and go, I'm going to be welcomed by smelly, uh, you know, uh, third shift shepherds out in the middle of nowhere. That takes power. That takes power to go, I'm willing to do that. Think about what that phrase, relentless tenderness, means and looks like from the point of view of those in need. He chose to give grace to those who could never earn favor, to rescue those who couldn't save themselves, to forgive those who couldn't make things right, to come to those who were lost in darkness because they couldn't see a single thing, to empower those who are incapable. And then he came. Relentless tenderness came. People need to be rescued when they're in a state of danger or captivity or simply can't get out of that mess on their own. That's why we need rescue. That's the power of the lion who chose the humility of the lamb to save a mess like me. I couldn't do anything, and I thought I could. That's the thing. He saves us when we think we can do it on our own or think there's a better way than him, and he still is willing to save us. I thought I could save myself. I could figure it out. I had anger issues. I had pride issues. I was a mess. I was a sinner. I, I still thought I could out-good out all my sin on my own, all that stuff, and I was just lost in all of that, and he still said, I will save you. Just take my hand, Scott. The Christmas story 
is a story about, about grace in its most <laughs> unfathomable fashion. And his name is Jesus. I think one of the things that, that I'd like to challenge for you tonight, I don't know where you're going to be tonight. You might not be here. If, if you're in the area, I challenge you to come back here. Or if, you, if you're not driving somewhere, go somewhere where there's a, a worship moment in the evening on this Christmas Eve. And my challenge is that you would come back for this Christmas Eve worship service and just sing about the one who was born to live, then die, then rise again to fix what sin had broken for you. That we would just come back and, and we would just put ourselves in a place of, I'm just going to tell you how amazed I am at your love for me. I'm just going to worship you because you are hope and I feel hopeless. I'm going to... I'm going to give my, my voice and my heart to you right now in worship and in awe and in praise because you did the thing that no one else could do. Just give him that one hour of, of really just relentless worship. In Revelation chapter 5, there's a story, and, and we're not going to get into the the whole details of this, this is for a different time, but we're going to look at the lion and the lamb here for just a moment as we head into to wrapping up with some worship. But in this chapter 5, John is he's having a really hard time. He's seeing this, this, this thing play out, and, and it's breaking him. He even says, I began to weep. And, and, and so he knows that something's supposed to happen. This book is supposed to open up, and it's supposed to declare all these amazing things, but no one can open the book. And so he, he's freaking out because he knows when this book opens that God's going to declare righteousness for all mankind who choose Jesus, that, that victory is going to be uh, announced, that's, that's a final victory. And so no one can open it. And so to John, it feels like, like we're losing the game before kickoff. And he's weeping. And one of the elders is like, stop your crying, boy. That would be like Stennis or Dave Zinnaker. Uh, and and he's, he, he says this. We read in verse 5 of Revelation 5, one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked like it had been slaughtered but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. It had seven horns, this power, seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. Jesus is worthy because the lion won as a lamb so he can open up the book and say, righteous, righteous, Martin Riley, right with God. George Farr, right with God, right? Mark Vela, you got it good with God right now forever. And he declares that. And at the same time that he declares we are right by doing nothing but opening the gift, he says Jesus won the day. 
and that will never stop or never change. In fact, it only goes forward. Abundant life here, eternal life there. So why is Jesus worthy to open the scroll? He's worthy because he has conquered. At the cross, sin and death were stripped of power. Sin were forgiven and we can be in right relationship with God forever. Death. Our earthly end is only the forever beginning of those who believe in and follow Jesus. Because Jesus secured the ultimate victory at Calvary, he's worthy to to receive and open the book that declares us right with God and Jesus victorious forever. And that book states, summed up in one line, you are now right with God. There are no limits to the wholeness Jesus brings. The king chose to humbly give his life like a lamb. And the risen lamb now stands strong like a lion. And so I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to to worship him for a few more songs here. But I, I want to leave you with this question that I would love for you to take into this time of worship. If Jesus were right there with you in your favorite alone spot, your favorite maybe devotion time or calm time, just that that place and that time you love to go to. And Jesus were right there. He showed up in that moment. And he asked, what do you need for me to do for you today? What would you say? As we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us, as we sing about a God who's with us, what would you ask of Jesus for you today? Maybe this week, maybe as we roll into 2024, you're like, Jesus, I need you in this health issue. I need, I'm stepping into something new that I've never done, and it freaks me out, and I'm excited, but then it freaks me out again. I have this relationship struggle. Jesus, I need you there because I can't fix it, and if I tried, I'd mess it up. Or I just need you to take away the fear or the shame or, or the doubts in my life. What do you need Jesus to do in you or for you today as we roll into the new year? Ask him and watch him move. Jesus, we give you these moments and you're worthy of our worship. I thank you and I love you. In your name we pray, amen. For more messages and full services, visit hcfburnit.org or the Church Center app and connect with us on social media.